United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and you've heard me say quite often we have a big show. Well, this is a big, big show packed with impressive leaders in the game. We kick off the show with Dr. Missy Price, the outgoing president of the association who just took on a big job with the United Soccer Leagues. We'll break it down with Dr. Missy Price. Dr. Missy Price made it a mission about inclusion so it's no surprise that they've created a great relationship with Return on Inclusion and their president and founder, former Division I basketball player, Nevin Capel. What an impressive young woman. You will like my visit with Nevin Capel. We're not done there as we also include officials. Remember, this convention puts the spotlight on officiating, so it only makes sense that we have Sandy Hatfield Club A long-time administrator, worked at Arizona State, was an AD at Drake, founded her own consulting firm, and has done amazing work and research on creating a better platform for officials and coaches to flourish. That pipeline of officials is getting smaller, and Sandy Hatfield Club, in conjunction with Patricia Hughes, Trish Hughes, the Director of College Programs and Services for United Soccer Coaches, who also joins Sandy. They are working together to help increase that pipeline of officials. You'll like my visit with Sandy and Trish. Then, as if we haven't already been counting down to the convention, it's the real countdown to convention with Dr. Parmar from Middlesex University across the pond. He'll be in Kansas City to talk sports performance analysis. We cannot get enough of that topic each and every week, every day, really, as you think about it. And we wrap up meeting another impressive member of the 30 Under 30 Club. She's already been on the program advocating for the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, and she's part of the 30 Under 30. We're talking about Cynthia Cervantes. That's our show. Did I mention how impressive these people are? You will hear it after these messages from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We are one week away from the convention in Kansas City where we reunite with all of you. And we, of course, are led by our outgoing president, Dr. Missy Price, who is such a great leader of the game and a welcomed guest anytime, anywhere on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Dr. Missy Price, happy new year, happy convention time. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, Dean. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's final countdown. We are just about a week away from reuniting in Kansas City. I almost can't believe it. 
<laughs> yeah. And what a, you know, what a presidency you've had a strange year, right? With the pandemic and you name it, we've seen it all. And, you know, as you say goodbye, what, what have been some of the highlights for you in this past year? And You know, for me, it's always been about, I think, two things as a, as the president. One is the service to our members and that the association is there for them for all things that they need to be a coach. And this year has taught us, and even last year too, that everything you need to be a coach isn't just about the X's and the O's. It isn't just about understanding uh, the tactics or the game or even just team culture. It's, uh, it's also everything outside the lines. It's mental health of ourselves and our athletes. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's social justice issues. It's being able to have those conversations um, even if you and your players or you and your staff or you and your colleagues might have different opinions, that discourse and that sharing of ideas is how we all learn and grow. So I think that's it. I think it's not just about being a better coach, but it's about our ability to be there to support our members as people, right? Because that's who we are. We are people first, you know, and I think we're working with people. And I think that's been a huge priority for me and something that we've really tried to hone in on with the association. You know, bringing the convention back to an in-person platform has been obviously a, a key uh, component uh, as far as education, networking, all sorts of things that happen there, um, but also with safety in mind um, of our participants. So we're constantly monitoring that and how to create the, the safest environment for people while there. And I think the other thing too is we said goodbye to a longtime CEO in Lynn Burling Manual. Uh, she concluded her tenure as our CEO at the end of this past calendar year, 2021. And we um, are in our first two weeks here of Jeff Van Dusen as our new CEO for United Soccer Coaches. And that that comes with, you know, that sort of bittersweet uh, saying goodbye to Lynn and all the service and work she has done, but also the excitement of having a new leader in that role and the direction that uh, Jeff's going to work with the board and take the association in the next year to two, three, four years, right? So it's, it's all these exciting things, you know, also Dean with a, maybe a, a cloud of a little bit of a cloud of um, saying goodbye to a CEO and still dealing with the pandemic in ways that constantly challenge us to adapt and be flexible, both uh, at United Soccer Coaches and in our personal lives. So, but it is all good. Let me tell you, it is all good. I love that you said, you know, at the end of the day, we are people. And one of the things I like about you as a person is making sure that everybody has a voice. Inclusion is important. Advocating is important. That has continued under your presidency. Yeah, it's been huge for me. It's been uh, sort of a personal journey as well in my own personal life. Um, it's been a part of my growth as a coach. I've always sort of thought of myself as a more inclusive person and um, trying to create space for others to be a voice for people who don't have a voice, but to also be quiet and be a good listener and be able to uh, create space for others. And I've definitely even grown leaps and bounds in my own ways in the last couple of years. And I think some of the things that have happened in our country, uh, some of the things that my team has asked of me or challenged of me, and uh, some of the things that I have just committed to myself as far as being an anti-racist and other components in my life, all translate to, again, you know, how can I be the best coach, but how can I be the best person and human for all the people I may interact with, whether that's in my role as president, in my role as a coach, in my role as an advocate, or 
with my neighbors, right? Right in my community that I live in. So the inclusion piece has been a huge priority for the association, especially within the last year, when we look at our programming, when we look at our service to our members, we've really kind of changed our lens and scope on that. And that's been a big key. So, so thanks Dean for recognizing that and bringing that up. Well, and I'm going to stay with it. Then we're going to get to some very big news for Dr. Missy Price that we're going to be excited to talk about. But since we are on advocating and inclusion, coming up right after you is Nevin Capel, who is the founder and CEO for Return on Inclusion. You can find their website at roiinclusion.com. Just one I in the middle of it. But Nevin Capel comes up next, the founder and CEO of Return on Inclusion. Why was it important to have Nevin on the program? Well, I have a really wonderful announcement. I've known Nevin for a long time. I've watched Nevin's work grow and develop this company, this platform that she has, Return on Inclusion. And I'm really proud to say that United Soccer Coaches is going to be partnering with Nevin's program, Return on Inclusion, which is a sports-specific diversity and inclusion education platform. It's dedicated to developing inclusive leaders and fostering a culture of belonging across social and cultural differences. And what I love about it is that it's very sort of sport based. Um, It's really is taking a slant on it as you as coach and players and teams and whether it's uh, athletic departments, whether it's clubs and organizations, um, it really gives that that sort of lens of also doing this not only in our lives as people, but in sport and what that may look like on our teams and the the challenges that might create for us and how to work on that. So we have created a partnership with Nevin and Return on Inclusion that will be launching this year. I am super excited about it. And I definitely want to give Nevin the platform to share more information about that partnership and what it's going to look like and how our members are going to have access to it both on an individual or perhaps group or organizational level. So super pumped. And it was a big, big task for me as I finish up my presidency. And I'm really, really happy about it. Well, and now for the big news as Nevin will be coming up, but first more big news on Dr. Missy Price, who's been a longtime coach, more than 20 years of experience as a coach currently at Wellesley, but it was announced actually today at the time of this taping, two days before the release of this podcast, that the United Soccer League has named Dr. Missy Price the vice president of women's soccer, an experienced coach, educator, and sports psychologist to lead technical initiatives for the USL. As you know, I've been a voice of a USL team for years. I love the USL and Missy Price, Dr. Missy Price has been named the vice president of women's soccer. And that's exciting news. You are leaving the coaching seat. You're headed to USL. Tell us about this exciting role. I mean, it's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. You're talking about the USL making a huge commitment to growing the women's game at all levels, right? So you've got academy in the women's pathway you've got academy to the w league which is launching in may of 22 and that's a pre-professional league to the professional league of the super league which launches in may of 23 and i just look at it as the word that we i I think we use the most and maybe you, you overuse it is opportunity but for me it's about 
creating this sustainable pathway that elevates and prioritizes women in soccer. And we're talking about it all levels, right? We're talking about youth levels, pre-professional, professional, but not just players and coaches, but you're talking about an investment in women as technical staff, as referees, as executives, um, owners, you name it, Dean. I think the sky's the limit on what is possible. Two of the most impressive women, in fact, both of them, presidents of United Soccer Coaches, Amanda Vanderbort and Dr. Missy Price combining forces. That's a pretty powerful tandem. Talk about the excitement of working with Amanda. You know, Amanda and I have known each other a long time. She was actually president of United Soccer Coaches Board of Directors when I entered onto the board. But prior to that, we are our, our sort of our coaching tree, our, our family tree, so to speak, has definitely crossed paths multiple times. We've both been huge advocates for women and the women's game and women coaches. And we've just been sort of tirelessly working at that for years. And now we get to combine forces, come together. We've both were coaches at one point and now have moved into that executive level role to try to make a difference for women in our sport and for the women's game. You know, you talk about it, Dean, you think about numbers, right? So if you look at USU soccer, it's got 54 state associations, 10,000 clubs, you've got leagues, you've got about a million administrators, coaches, and volunteers, you've got roughly 3 million players annually, and that's almost 50-50 boys and girls. So you're thinking that's just based on about a million and a half girls annually playing the sport, and you've got about 40,000 college players every year. Why not create more opportunities for them to participate in the game? Again, whether it's their playing part of their career or their post-playing career as coaches, administrators, leaders, period, women, investing in them in the women's game. And that's what we're going to do at the USL. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. Now is the time. Seize the day. Good luck in that job. We're six days away from the convention. Your final thoughts on being together in Kansas City next week. We have awesome presenters. You can obviously go to the website and look at the entire list. You can plan your schedule in advance. There's going to be lots of ways that we're going to help with providing um, a safe space for people um, as far as COVID policies and procedures. And we'll continue to unroll those as we, as we move into the convention. But it really is about coming back together and being in a place, being able to talk about the game, being able to maybe see people you haven't seen in a little while. It's everything the convention has been. Education, networking, meetings, fostering and developing the game that we love and being there and being able to do it with one another. And I think you know, we're always looking for new and inventive ways. You've got the exhibit hall where you'll have people coming in and showing you products that can help you support your role as a coach or administrator or anything aspect you have in the game. So it's time. It's time, Dean. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there and uh, having you lead some of our ceremonies and other things that you do for us and at the convention. So I'll be seeing you there in a week. It is my honor, and I feel like on behalf of the entire association, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you for your service to the association, and also a heartfelt congratulations on your new news at Vietnam United Soccer League Vice President of Women's Soccer, Dr. Missy Price. Thanks for your presidency, and thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks, Dean. It's been great being here. Always great to spend time with Dr. Missy Price. We do thank her for her presidency, and Big time news in her career. 
you know she's going to do great things at United Soccer League. Speaking of great things, she already touched on it. Nevin Capo, a former basketball player, D1, making a major difference for inclusion. The founder and CEO of Return on Inclusion. Exciting partnership with United Soccer Coaches that Dr. Price talked about it, but we'll hear directly from Nevin Capel after these messages. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, where we are jam-packed with exciting guests today. A lot of them will be at the convention. You just heard from the outgoing president of the association, Dr. Missy Price, who also had big news as she's joining United Soccer Leagues. We wish her well. And you heard her talk fondly about Nevin Capel, the founder and CEO for Return on Inclusion. And Nevin Capel joins us now. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, Nevin. Thank you, Dean. Great to be here. Yeah, and Dr. Missy Price really, really spoke so fondly of you. Talk about your relationship with Dr. Missy Price as she said some really nice words. Yes, Dr. Price is is definitely one of the more extraordinary leaders, uh, not just in, in soccer, but in, in athletics as a whole. I know now she's making making a jump, but um, and we're going to miss her in college athletics. But, you know, when we think about the work of diversity, equity and inclusion, it really comes down to leadership. And we need more of our leaders to lean in in the way that Dr. Price does to make changes organizationally, to really infuse a lot of the cultural competencies into the work that she does with her teams, um, to think more in meaningful ways about recruiting, hiring practices, and, and, and all of those sorts of things that make our culture a little bit more psychologically safe, especially for our young people. And so, you know, I have a great deal of respect and admiration for, for Missy and everything that she's done. And I'm really excited to, to be able to work with her as we start to lay the foundation for a partnership with United Soccer Coaches. And I will tell you, the CEO of United Soccer Coaches, Jeff Van Dusen, in writing says, quote, Nevin Capel is a genius and will break down all the great things that ROI is doing. Those are big words as well. So with that, hopefully I didn't make you blush, but tell me how you got into the field of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. That's a lot to live up to. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely honored and I really appreciate just the thoughtfulness of, of Jeff and, and, and Missy as well. I started my, my diversity, inclusion, and belong specifically almost about a decade now. And, you know, I guess thinking about my experience as, as a business owner, but also my perspectives as a, a Black woman, as an out lesbian, as a former college athlete, I played basketball in school. Those were all a, a really huge part of my education. Uh, part of the reason that I didn't initially pursue a career in sports was because I felt like I would have to make myself small to fit in. But after spending about a decade working in corporate America and just missing so much of the sports world, um, I felt that pull back to athletics. And so when I think about what I do now, most of my work is actually with the decision makers, the athletic administrators, the coaches, support staff to really be able to teach them how to create a culture of belonging and, and center that athlete experience. I think the other piece to it as well 
is that I really try to use uh, my power and my agency and, and even my access um, to prepare my clients for growth, both individually and collectively. It's, it's really like the first time in, in, in my 41 years of life that I'm starting to see a shift where people are turning the mirror a little bit closer to themselves and, and kind of attempting to locate themselves and, and what so many of our athletes are experiencing and facing. And there's this valuing of difference that I've, I've never seen before. And, and I'm so encouraged by it. So pleased to be joined by the founder and CEO of Return on Inclusion, Nevin Capel. Nevin, what are some common myths or misconceptions about DEI in sports? It's a great question. I think the, the one thing that I talk about a lot is really the myth of, uh, of meritocracy, you know, where there's kind of this assumption that if we treat everyone equally, if, if everyone works hard, that the work will speak for itself, right? There's, there's almost a trust on the part of well-intentioned coaches and not just coaches, administrators too, um, that we're further along with race, that we're further along with gender and all of these challenges that athletes are bringing to our attention. And then on the flip side, you have the athletes, in many cases, women and, and student athletes of color who are afraid to advocate for themselves. They're afraid to negotiate. They're afraid to point out things that aren't being handled well because they feel that they'll be misunderstood. So, you know, there's there's this double whammy of people who have great intentions who aren't having the conversations that they need to have, may not have access to the education that they need. And as a result, they're covering so many different parts of their identities. And so, you know, this is one area that I'm really trying to kind of tap into a little bit more so that folks can have the information and the resources that they need to to succeed essentially. Your own story is one of inspiration. When did you recognize the power of your own story and embracing your identity? Another great question. I guess I I didn't recognize the power of my story until I started sharing it. Uh, the, the more that I shared my story, the closer it really brought me to my people essentially. You know, I went to college just outside of New York City at Fairleigh Dickinson University, the metropolitan campus. And prior to going to New Jersey from Baltimore, Maryland, where I grew up, I didn't know, you know, lesbians were a real thing outside of Ellen and and Cheryl Swoops. And, you know, so much of what they went through, just kind of seeing that on TV and other spaces scared me and, and I was afraid of it. And so you know, again, I I covered this really important part of who I was. And so the first time that I started sharing, I realized that I could connect with so much of the pain and the joy and the trauma and the love and and most importantly, the energy of, of people who were like me and people who were different, but needed to, you know, learn and be around uh, people like me. And, and, and that was really one of the first times that I felt like I belonged. So although it was kind of this, this evolutionary process, um, it was one that I very much needed uh, to be able to get to the place that I am today in, in my personal and my professional life. Hopefully it's getting easier, particularly with people like you doing great things that return on inclusion. But before we get there, why has it been so hard to talk about social justice, race, and DEI? You know, I think part of of the reason that it's so hard to, to talk about these things is because we so deeply want to see ourselves as good people, right? We we tend to 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 personalize. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, to fit our own definition of comfort. And as a result, 
this allows us to sit in our innocence and really distance ourselves from actually locating the problem within ourselves. And part of part of the challenge with that is is so many of our young athletes need us to show up for them, right? They need us to kind of be in that space, even if we don't know what to say, even if we're not experts. They just need to know that these people that they look up to, these people that they see their likeness in, these people who they want to be one day, really care about them in, in ways that we've never been stretched or pushed to do. So, you know, once folks can really disconnect with the whole idea of seeing themselves as a good person and realize um, instead that we're all human beings, right? We, we all have flaws, myself included. We all have biases. We all fall short in so many ways. Um, then we can sit in that discomfort together and, and say there's some ways that you know, I've been awesome, that I've been great, um, but there's some ways that I haven't been as great as I can be. And, and that really helps open us up to, to be able to invest in the real work. You're hearing the wisdom, authenticity of Nevin Capo, who's the founder and CEO of Return on Inclusion. You can learn more by going to www.roinclusion.com. How should sports organizations incorporate DEI into the organizational culture? I love that because that, that kind of takes me back to, Dean, the, the first uh, question that you had asked me about um, Dr. Missy Price. And, and I, I believe that it really starts with leadership, right? And um, United Soccer Coaches has two incredible leaders in, in both Missy and in Jeff. And they are prioritizing these efforts. They're making sure that their membership has access. When we think about, about this work on, I guess, a more personal level, uh, what we really need the folks or the people that make up the organizations to do is to start by asking the hard questions of themselves, right? And this was something that I had to do personally before I could enter this space and show up you know, authentically and, and really be able to connect with folks across difference. And, and when I say the hard questions, you know, it's questions such as, um, let, me, let me think, uh, what scares me the most when it comes to talking about race? right? Um, what harm have I inadvertently caused? My student athletes or people that I care about and love, what is the impact of my silence? You know, and, and, and these are things that we have to be able to wrestle with and also reckon with before we can sit in a room with somebody that's different and say, hey, I'm here for you. Because if we haven't done that internal work, it becomes very hard to do that. So I do a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one inclusive leader coaching. And, and my goal is really to get the folks that I work with uh, to kind of be that transformative force. And I look at this as, as part of my job being helping this leader create the psychological safety for them to own the places within themselves where they still have to grow. And, and I talk about this in a lot of different ways. I guess, you know, one way is, is encouraging leaders to think about how they lead and how this affects the people who have done well and those who haven't, and what are the ways that they can continue to involve or evolve as, as people. The other thing that I really try to think about is how they can encourage their, their student athletes to create spaces of inclusion, you know? And so that means as they're, as they're moving around to the field, to the locker room, on the bus, making sure that each and every one of those spaces are spaces in which they feel valued and supported. And part of that comes down to listening to what they need and thinking about as a leader, you know, what are the things that I need to be doing to, to support them? So, you know, there's a, a handful of additional 
topics and, and, and resources that um, we deliver in ROI. Um, but just right off the bat, you know, thinking about some of the basic ones, it would be that. We also wanted to use this platform for you to share with our membership, which is 20,000 plus, about the partnership between United Soccer Coaches and your organization, Return on Inclusion. Can you talk about that partnership? Yes, absolutely. And I, first off, am super excited. United Soccer Coaches and Return on Inclusion are really teaming up to develop inclusive leaders in soccer. That's that's really what it comes down to. Um, we recognize that a lot of folks are well-intended or have good intentions, but they just don't have access to the resources and the materials that they need. And so we want to be able to provide that education. We want to be able to pr provide the knowledge base, the resources, and we want to, to change that and make this program and this platform accessible. ROI is a, a sports-specific diversity, inclusion, and belonging platform. Platform. Um, so it does address the real-time needs of, of coaches. Um, it's self-paced, but you can also do it with your colleagues. There's a discussion guide at the end. In addition to that, the curriculum, I know a lot of times um, many coaches are based on, on higher education campuses, uh, but some of the, the academic language just kind of goes you know, over our heads. And, and it's because a lot of times academia doesn't understand the athletic experience. And so, you know, we've really tried to take some of these broader concepts and, and break them down to make them applicable to the needs that coaches face uh, day in and day out. So we're really excited about that. Another piece to it is that there will be a discount offered for all United Soccer Coaches members to be a part of it. Um, we're going to have a webinar to take everyone through the enrollment process, just so you have an idea of what to expect if you do want to sign up and be a part of this six module uh, course. And I think the last thing that you know I'm really excited about is that I will be at the convention uh, next week. So I do have a session on Friday morning at 11. So you know anyone who's who's around and available, they're welcome to stop by. It, it, it's really going to be thinking about the roles of coaches when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. The timing is perfect as this show is released just six days before the convention starts. So finally, as we end our time with Nevin Capo, the founder of Return on Inclusion, just in general, as it relates to inclusion, any advice for our listeners? Yeah, Dean, I guess, you know, right now we are in, in some tumultuous times. We're dealing with the pandemic. We're dealing with gender equity issues, uh, challenges around race, um, just developing that skill set. I think the, the biggest thing is to develop a practice of, of self-care and make sure that, you know, as, as, as easy as it is to get caught up in everything else around you, you need to prioritize yourself first. If, if you're not good, um, your athletes aren't going to be good and, and nothing you do is going to be as, as amazing as it can be. So, if, you know, everybody can take, you know, a little bit of time out of every day and do something that you love, be, spend time with the people that you love and just take care of yourself and prioritize that. Um, we're going to be better as a community. So well said. As we close, I already mentioned the website. Are there some social media handles that people can stay connected to all the wonderful things that you're doing? Yeah, Dean. So RO Inclusion is our social media handle, and they can also connect with me at Nevin Cable. Wonderful. Really enjoyed this. Um, beautiful inside and out, Nevin. Thanks for all you're doing, and I look forward to seeing you in Kansas City at the convention. Yes, and thank you so much for the attention that you're bringing and I look forward to seeing you as well. What an impressive young woman indeed doing such wonderful work with Return on Inclusion. Speaking of inclusion, we cannot forget that we need referees, right, to play this game 
that we love and the relationship between coaches and officials and officials and coaches, vice versa, is really important. So important that another impressive woman, Sandy Hatfield Club, who is the president of The Picture Group, you can find her at the picture group, P-I-C-T-O-R group.com. She has an impressive resume that included being the athletic director at Drake and involved at Arizona State for a long, long time. And now she has a high-level consulting firm that really took a deep dive with the Division Three Commissioners Association implementing their strategic plan for officiating And now, in conjunction with United Soccer Coaches and the great work that Trish Hughes does, and she is the Director of College Services and Programs for United Soccer Coaches, Sandy Hatfield Club and Trish Hughes are making every level of college soccer pay attention to officials and officials' needs and getting better officials and so many exciting things around officials in the game. We cannot forget... The officials, our referees, we have to remember them and we have to understand that relationship is important. And Sandy Hatfield Club, the president of the Picture Group, and Trish Hughes, the director of college services and programs for United Soccer Coaches, will break that down when we return. This is Dean Linky with a quick message from United Soccer Coaches College Programs Department. United Soccer Coaches College Services Program benefits do not stop once the season ends. Your registration continues to work for you and your team with 2021-22 eligibility for Team Academic and Team Pinnacle Awards, plus all-season representation with the NCAA, NAIA, and Junior College Governing Bodies. If you have not registered for United Soccer Coaches College Services, please consider doing so today. Join the College Services Program now. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast as we're one week away from convention and we have a jam-packed show and really excited about our next two guests as we welcome Sandy Hatfield Club, who's the president of the Picture Group, and we'll explain why she's on. She's here to talk officiating and joining to endorse her work is Trish Hughes, who is the director of college services for United Soccer Coaches. So with that, we welcome Sandy Hatfield Club, the president of the Picture Group. Welcome, Sandy. Dean, thank you so much. It's uh, great to be here with you today. It's great to be with you and Trish. Great to have you back on the podcast. Welcome, Trish. Dean, thanks as always for having me with you. All right. So Trish, first off, obviously we had you on a couple months ago as we pushed to change the landscape of the D3 championships game, hopefully making progress on there. And of course, tied to D3 as it relates to officiating even bigger picture. That's where Sandy Hatfield Club comes in. So I wanted you to first comment on why it was important to have Sandy on this podcast and also have Sandy at the convention next week. Thanks, Dean. So I was very fortunate to have engaged Sandy Hatfield Club and the Pictor Group recently to discuss what we believe to be a growing problem in the collegiate landscape where the pool of of officials is certainly shrinking. But um, this is especially an issue within Division Three. What we've noticed and what we're finding is that when we're trying to schedule games more often than not, we have a limited pool of candidates that we can connect with. And certainly... When we look at an aging population within the officials association, how can we support and and collaborate with the picture group in recruiting the next generation of of young officials and help 
grow them and educate them and position them to be successful. The other element of this, Dean, also is anyone that hears me talk about officials knowing when I coached, I was probably one of the more intense coaches on the sideline, but it's how can we build relationships and, and humanize, if you will, the role of officials and understanding that their goal is not to impact the game, but to ensure that the outcome is a fair and an honest one and that um, they support the, the competitive environment with which we hold these games. And so with that, Sandy Hatfield Club, a little bit about her. She went to UTEP where she got her undergrad and her graduate degree and then ended up at Arizona State where she worked in their athletic administration for quite some time, became the athletic director at Drake University before joining the Picture Group, which is a high-level consultant firm. She was hired by the Division Three Commissioners Association to do expansive research, and now that's even expanded into Division Two and Division One. That's just a little bit about the impressive a resume of Sandy Hatfield Club. And Sandy, your firm conducted a comprehensive review of collegiate officiating. Briefly tell us the big picture about what you learned and specifically what we need to know about soccer officiating. Yeah, Dean, thank you. Uh, Trish teed it up just perfectly. We confirmed exactly what she shared and our, our data shows that the pipeline is aging and it's dwindling and that there are just not enough quality officials to field games. And so with regard to soccer specifically, you know, as we drill down to look at and triangulate those sports, they were having the most severe problems with the aging of officials, sportsmanship, and how safe officials are feeling, whether or whether or not if assigners and coordinators had to move contests in order to have enough warm bodies there to officiate a game. Soccer came to the top of the pile as the top team sport that has the most concerns with regard to the future of officiating, both the current state and future of officiating. So we were thrilled when Trish and Jeff were excited about getting involved to talk about how can coaches be more engaged to be part of the solution for the future. Let me tell you just a little bit about the study itself. We studied 15 sports, 10 of which were men and women across divisions one, two, and three. We had over 15,000 participants in the study. Over 10,000 were officials, and very specifically, we had 686 soccer officials across men's and women's collegiate soccer. This is just NCAA officials. We had 604 soccer coaches involved in the survey process, and we had 29 assigners or coordinators of officials across NCAA soccer. So we are very pleased with the data that we received from soccer itself. The study taught us a great deal about the conditions of officiating. The key things that we learned beyond the fact that we have a pipeline problem and we have some you know, quality availability of quality officials. Beyond that, what our study told us is this is a comprehensive issue. This is not like go pay officials more and go recruit harder. That's not gonna solve the problem. That's not gonna get us there. Um, it's very systemic and it's cultural. And if we don't get down to the essence of how do we improve sporting behavior? How do we do a better job evaluating our officials and bringing them along? How do we do a better job with coordinators? How do we work with the comprehensive connectivity of what the NCAA's role is and what the conference roles are and those kinds of things? that we're not going to have solutions for the future. 
So great to have Sandy Hatfield Club, the president of the Picture Group, as we're talking about officiating and a study they just did, as well as Trish Hughes. You heard Trish talk about being a former coach and her relationship with officiating. This is United Soccer Coaches with an emphasis on coaches. Why should coaches be concerned about officiating, Sandy? Yeah, that's a great question, Dean. So when we talked to particularly soccer coaches, we asked, you know, what are your concerns about officiating? You know, they shared with us that um, much like across all sports, what they're looking for is consistency of officiating. They're looking for, um, you know, judgment, communication, all those kinds of things. So that was not anything really, you know, special about soccer, very consistent um, across the lines. When we ask soccer coaches, how satisfied are you with officiating? Only 36% of soccer coaches said that they were satisfied or very satisfied with officiating. So that's, you know, almost, uh, you know, certainly close to 70% of coaches are not satisfied with officiating. So that's a concern, right? So obviously they already have their concern in place. So as we look deeper at it, again, the question is the aging population, the sportsmanship, those types of things. And when we asked coaches, tell us at what level are the in-game reactions of coaches and players instrumental to the sporting environment, the sportsmanship environment? 91%, 91% of coaches agree that in-game reactions and actions of the coach and the, the student athlete are the most important in the role of creating positive sportsmanship, right? So that right there tells us the coaches know that their behavior is something that's really critical. Sportsmanship is a key issue in the sport of soccer and across all of officiating. One of the things that we need to understand is that sportsmanship is actually much better at the collegiate level than it is at the youth level, but it takes officials almost eight years to get from the youth level into their first NCAA game. So if we don't help start improving the sportsmanship level at the collegiate level and it kind of help that trickle down, there's a lot of work being done, fabulous work being done to try to address sporting behavior at the youth level. Um, but if we don't help try to create some leadership for that, we've got some severe problems and we won't have officials. If we can't get officials into the pipeline, keep them in there for a minimum of three years to keep them retained and give them another five years of development, we're not gonna see any more officials at the collegiate level. So let's dive into that data. And after you give your answer, I'll ask Trish Hughes, the Director of College Services and Programs for United Soccer Coaches to give a reaction to what you say. And what does your data, Sandy, tell us about what can be done to improve sporting behavior? So we asked the coaches that and the officials that. We asked them both what is the most important thing to be done to improve sporting behavior? And they had the exact same answer. The most important answer, significantly stronger than any other answer is, we need to appreciate each other more. Very specifically, we asked the coaches, what can improve the treatment of officials? And the number one answer was officials appreciating the coach's role. Guess what the second answer was? The coaches, this is the coaches answering, coaches appreciating the official's role. Those are significantly stronger answers than 
things like conference intervention, stronger rules, venue signage, changes to plane rules, those kinds of, we had a number of answers that they could give, but it was over 50% of the, the number one answer by coaches was officials appreciating the coach. The second answer, coach appreciating the official. And ironically, we asked the, the officials the exact same question in the reverse order. They said the same thing. So what does that mean? We need to better appreciate one another. And I will tell you something that I learned, Dean. I was for a very short time, a collegiate division three coach, assistant coach, and then worked with coaches for my entire 28 years career as a practicing athletic administrator. You know, I paid officials. I, I assigned, you know, I didn't assign them, but made sure they were at the games, all those kinds of things as an administrator. But I never truly appreciated how committed an NCA official is to being good at what they do. So as I did this study, I learned that, you know, officials primarily, very few make a kind of money to make a living, right? They do in high level division one football, basketball, et cetera, but they don't at other. So they're working normal jobs, right? And then they're officiating because they love it. They're keeping their bodies in shape. They're studying rules. They're studying film. They are getting feedback from people. And the amount of time that they devote to being excellent at what they do is beyond my understanding of it until I was very engaged in this. And then I know coaches get frustrated. And this was, we heard through our study is that, you know, the officials, it's a part-time gig for them. And the coaches have a full-time job that they feel are dependent upon wins. So just again, being able to bring people together, appreciating more their role, defining what it means to create an environment where officials are not a necessary evil, but they are an important functioning part of the game itself. When the day's over, there are three teams on the field, the two opponents and the team of officials. And so really getting to the place where coaches can respect and appreciate that at a higher level is critical to the future of collegiate officiating. It's interesting listening to, to Sandy talk about when you switch your mindset from being a coach in the midst of the game and the emotion of a game versus being an administrator, having coached for you know, almost 25 years, I can tell you as a head coach on the sideline, there's so much at stake, right? Your, your wins and your losses drive your, ultimately at, at, at the high level job security. It takes an emotional toll. So when you come onto the field, the expectation is that an official manages the game in a manner to create a safe environment but ultimately doesn't impact the outcome. And that's a fine line and it's hard, right? Because as things start to unwind and unravel in the game as coaches, we're trying to manage the game. We're trying to manage our emotion and certainly manage the intensity of what's at stake. When I transitioned into being an administrator, it's very different being on the sideline, observing the behavior of coaches who I managed as an administrator, and then certainly observing the, the behavior and decision-making of an official because the emotions are different, right? So that completely changes the script between the relationship between the head coach and, and the official. What's interesting is I, I, Dean, as you know, I have a young child and I observe parents on sidelines with my six-year-old son and I've observed and witnessed insane behavior even when you are a volunteer coach managing your six-year-old game. And I think this manifests itself all the way up through youth sports into college. And the question becomes, 
how can we change that mindset and that um, that pathway where officials are seen as they're not the positive part of the game when in fact we need to treat each other with mutual respect. I think of coming together as we're going to do at the convention and helping officials understand what's at stake for, for head coaches. But equally, I think, conversely, I think it's having coaches understand how hard officials work, how seriously they take their job and, and the preparation that they go into in order to get licensed. To Sandy's point, I don't know that I paid a whole lot of attention to this until I really began to work with the National Committee in Vision 2. But more recently, I went to the D3 Final Four in Greensboro, and I actually got to spend some time with the officials group that was assigned to the championship. And I got to say, I was so unbelievably impressed with this group of men and women, and they were so professional. They were so committed to being great. They're so committed to advancing their officials' career and rising to the top, much like any head coach would. They were there with an evaluator, who talk to them constantly about everything from how they're perceived off the field to how they engage with coaches during games and on the sideline. Um, you know, one thing we've talked about at United Soccer Coaches as part of this relationship and our commitment to improving this, this going forward is how can we reach coaches in a level, in a level to, to help them understand that their, their actions, their emotional reaction is very, the optics of that and the influence on the young student athletes that they serve um, is quite influential. So if we've got a coach who's politely engaging an official or acting like a lunatic on the sideline, how are the players receiving that? How does that impact the tempo of the game or the dynamic of the game? So, you know, one of the things we've talked about, which is an even greater part of the relationship with, with Sandy and the Victor group, is our commitment long-term to try to create, in essence, a coach credential and professionalize the profession, Dean, beyond the X's nose. Now, certainly the official is part of the X's nose indirectly, but ultimately, how can we raise each other up into a mutual space of respect whereby the relationship is healthy, but ultimately doesn't impact each other's ability to do the job successfully? We are committed to, to creating the opportunities to engage coaches and officials. It will be ongoing at our convention, which was part of the reason we jumped at the opportunity to have Sandy join us at the convention to help be a conduit, if you will, to tie in with Ralph Polson, Rich Grady, and some of those folks who are going to be there from the NCA in getting together in a shared space in a neutral, non-emotional environment where we can talk about the relationship. And, and you know, one of the, the key things that Sandy talks about is humanizing officials and helping coaches really understand the flip side of that is helping officials understand the challenges that coaches are facing right now. We know coaches are in a vulnerable space. We know they're fighting for their life some days and when dealing with all the other stuff off the field. So wins and losses are equally just as important, particularly when contracts reside um, on top of that and, and helping coaches just be successful. So it's a dual effort, but I think it's also coming together in a non-combative way to really talk about how we can move the needle forward and improve the relationship. I'd really like to compliment Trish and the efforts of United Soccer because this taking this initiative to do exactly what she just described of bringing the communities together, it is the most fundamental action that you can take in order to find some resolution for the future. And so I just really wanted to, to credit United Soccer for your work in doing that. And we appreciate now being able to be engaged and you know, bring the greater 
you know, group together because you've got the, the officials, the coaches, and then we have connectivity to all of the, the administrators that, that support and advance the work as well. So we're very appreciative and I, I just want to salute the work that you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. And I feel like Trisha's comments lead us to what can coaches do to help improve the culture of soccer, as well as help with recruiting and retention of officials? So there was a little piece of data that was interesting with soccer and ice hockey. And that is we asked the question in sporting behavior, you know, who is the kind of worst, if you will, um, who has the worst sportsmanship? of the fans, the coaches, the student athletes, the um, administrators, like we just asked the whole environment, you know, what's the worst point that you deal with? And in soccer and interestingly hockey, it was the student athlete. Now you think about it, it makes sense. Where's the official in the center of the field, right? So it makes a bit more sense. The soccer coach doesn't have as much access to the officials um, kind of the head official, as does they might in, say, uh, basketball. So we found that it, the student athlete actually was the one that the officials were most critical about. Well, so what's the role of the, the, the coach in all of this? And it links to the student athlete with both sporting behavior as well as um, recruiting. Because who would be the best person to recruit to officiate soccer. It would be somebody who really intimately knows the game, right? The athletes themselves. Um, Division two actually has a program called player to ref where they go in and recruit student athletes to become officials and then help them in a fast track type learning environment in order to um, get them up to speed again, to try to reduce this eight year window of getting them ready for the NCAA. So um, what can coaches do? Their behavior, and as an administrator for 28 years in collegiate athletics, I know that by way of the coach, by way of the student athlete, right? It is the culture that the coach creates that the student athletes then follow. So again, the coach taking initiative, working with their student athletes about how appropriately to talk to an official. This isn't about shut your mouth and not have a communicate any communication with them, right? This is about how do you appropriately engage in conversations uh, because you are all out there in the middle of the field together, right? And so how do you go about managing that? Because it, think about it for a second. If I'm a student athlete out there on the field and all I hear is an official being berated by a coach, by you know the coach emphasizing that, allowing the players to behave in certain ways, the last thing I'm going to want to be is an official, right? So it's again about improving communication. These are things that, that Trish and I have talked about with regard to coach education. How do you help a coach? The most powerful tool that a coach has in communicating with their student athletes is their emotion and their control of that emotion, right? And how do I take an in heated moments of play, manage that, right? Improve my emotional intelligence, communicate effectively and respectfully with people, even at times of either crisis, heated moments, those kinds of things. And what a better gift than to give that to your student athletes, right? So again, as Trish mentioned, this coach education piece, it's a full circle. It's why, again, what we learned when we did our study is that this is a 
a systemic and cultural issue that needs to be addressed that has to do with the culture of sport itself, which pivots around coaches. And this isn't about trying to tell coaches what's right or wrong. This is trying to help coaches be the best humans they can be out there on the field of play, because then they're going to be most effective at their gifts. And that is to run the X's and O's and their teams and, and all those kinds of things. So again, it's this whole comprehensive piece that really evolves in and around the coach himself or herself. Sandy, Trish mentioned that you're coming to the convention. You told me you're coming to the convention. What are some of the key things you want to accomplish at the convention? Yeah, thanks, Dean. Trish, we appreciate the invitation. On behalf of the Division Three Commissioners Association, I'm very pleased to be attending the convention. Your efforts already to bring coaches and officials together is key. We see that as one of the key. In fact, it's, it's one of the first year goals that we're working to help them implement as part of their strategic plan for the future of collegiate officiating. So it's key that number one, I come and see it in action because you are really piloting, if you will, what we believe is a key fundamental part of the future success of officiating at the collegiate level. So number one, I wanna be there, see it in action, see how things are coming together. Secondly, I uh, want to meet with the right people, right? Uh, Ashley Fallis from the NCAA is going to be there. She and I are going to, she's going to help me connect with people. You know, she oversees um, the red cards that come in. So she really sees what supporting behavior kind of at the, the worst level looks like. Um, so she's helping me understand some of those things. So it's just seeing it all in action, meeting the right people, getting connected with United Soccer Coaches, seeing what we can do as a next step. We are recognizing in Division Three Commissioner's strategic plan, United Soccer Coaches as a pilot for what the future can look like. We're all about promotion on the podcast. So I want you to promote your company as we say goodbye, Sandy. Thank you so much, Dean. Uh, very proud to be the president of the Pictor Group. This is a consulting firm that focuses on intercollegiate athletics. We help our clients rethink, refocus, and recalibrate for efficient and effective work. So appreciate an opportunity to be here this morning with, with you and Trish. We can find you on the internet and on social media, how? At www.thepictorgroup.com. So we look forward to seeing you there. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. And so look up Sandy Hatfield Club. Thank you, Sandy. And thank you, Trish. And we're not done talking convention as coming up next, it's the countdown to convention as we talk sports performance analysis with a top professor from overseas, Dr. Parmar from Middlesex University. He'll be in Kansas City for not one, but two presentations. He's up next on the Countdown to Convention. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. 
Time now for the Countdown to Convention, a weekly interview on the United Soccer Coaches podcast that features the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which will take place January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Every week during this time, our host, Dean Linky, will take a deep dive with someone or a group of people that will be featured at this year's convention. Remember to register early for the convention by going to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Now, here's Dean with this week's Countdown to Convention. Hard to believe, but this is the countdown to convention portion of the United Soccer Coaches podcast as it feels like we've been talking about convention this entire podcast, and why not? We're less than a week away from the convention where we will reunite in Kansas City live and in person. We hope to see as many of you as possible. As always, United Soccer Coaches has a big eye on sports performance analysis And as always, it is not just limited to the United States as we continue to have worldwide collaborations. That's no different today as we welcome in the distinguished Dr. Nimai Parmar, who's the senior lecturer in sports performance analysis, the program leader for the master's in sports performance analysis and online distance education master's in sports performance analysis. He runs the master's degree in sports performance analysis in London at Middlesex University. And he joins me now, Dr. Nimai Parmar, who will be at the convention next week. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You're very welcome, and thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really pleased and excited to be here. I look forward to hearing about your two presentations, but before we get into that, I know you're running a new online master's program that is almost specifically targeted for a lot of American coaches. Can you talk a little bit about it? Sure. So our, our course that's been running in the UK uh, is one of the first of its kind. It's been running for 10 years, and it attracts a lot of international students who come to London to learn how to become a sports analyst and they end up getting jobs in the Premier League. We've got former students working at Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, alongside other sports like rugby and cricket and um, a whole host of Olympic sports. Some of our students have also gone over to the US and they're working for the US Tennis Association. Uh, Some are working for professional soccer clubs there. So we have a really strong uh, track record of developing graduates that go in to work in professional sport and in particular in soccer. So we noticed that there was a lack of master's degrees and education in the US on sport performance analysis. So we've teamed up with United Soccer Coaches uh, to develop this program and to host a one-week residential at the convention. So it won't happen this year, but we're recruiting the program to start in September 2022 and therefore students who are on that course will be able to attend the convention and have some taught parts of their course there at the convention so it's really exciting. Dr. Parmar when you looked at what you're doing at Middlesex University and then when you looked at the makeup of United Soccer Coaches why did you know it was going to be a collaboration that would indeed work? Because you have such a wide network of coaches Um, I had lots of meetings with major league soccer teams and their heads of analysis. And I had meetings with lots of people of America, including our former students. And I actually came over to Baltimore in 2020. And it was just apparent that this was the organization to partner with. And hopefully we can reach a whole host of coaches and unwilling future potential students who would want to study the course. And speaking of collaborations, you have already collaborated with some top-level Premier League teams, correct? Yeah, so at the moment, we have two projects with Leicester City Football Club. Um, We've got one PhD project 
with uh, the data analytics team, working directly with uh, Brendan Rogers and the head of football analytics at the club. And we have another PhD student working with uh, the data analytics and fitness and conditioning. So it's a really exciting time for performance analysis. So awesome to be here with Dr. Nimai Parmar, who's the senior lecturer in sports performance analysis at Middlesex University. He'll be doing two presentations. Before we get to that, I want people to know where they can learn more about this master's program. It's time to promote. Where can people learn more about what you're doing and perhaps get involved? Absolutely. Um, we have a course page at Middlesex University. Um, so you can just search Middlesex University Sport Performance Analysis MSc, and it will come up one of the first few uh, links on the page and we can also provide the links to yourselves after and you'll have all the information we've got lots of testimonials from our from our students and it has a lot of information about the course all right you knew this was coming this is the countdown to convention so people want to know about the presentations or lectures that you will be doing can you tell us the titles and times and people will line up and get there Absolutely. So um, the first talk is on Thursday, the 20th at 4 p.m. And that talk is about the importance of sport performance analysis in soccer. So really, this talk is all uh, geared around giving coaches some idea of how they could integrate performance analysis and giving a little bit of a teaser about some of the research and the uh, scientific results and findings that we have found uh, in, in our research that we've been conducting at Middlesex University. And how about the second one? The second talk um, is part of a panel discussion, and that is about integrating analysis effectively into your coaching program. And I will be talking a bit more about the course. So if people want to become performance analysts or they want to integrate performance analysis techniques into their coaching, um, I will provide some more information about how they can go ahead and do some further studying and also uh, some more information about how they can get accredited by various institutions like the International Society for Performance Analysis of Sport. I want to go back to my earlier point, talking about you targeting American clubs. And obviously, performance analysis has been on the uptick for several years now in this country. You do get the feeling that the U.S. wants the best of the best, which is probably another reason they invited you over. It's a real pleasure, and I see it as a real opportunity uh, for performance analysis to grow. And I know that the United Soccer Coaches are doing great work with some of the short courses that Ian Donnelly has been running over with yourselves, and it's been highly subscribed. And I think this is just the next logical progression because there are no masters in sports performance analysis offered in the United States. So we saw this as a great opportunity for us as a leader in in these courses to provide an option for people from America to study. And actually talking to a lot of the major league soccer clubs, um, they, they want people with these degrees. They want to be able to employ people from America who have the right training and the right knowledge to walk into clubs as we have done in the UK where students can study. And as early as a couple of months ago, some of my graduates have gone on to work with England rugby and gone on to get jobs with QPR and other clubs. Finally, you strike me as a very humble man, but extremely intelligent, which usually the smarter you are, the more humble you are. Can you give me a little elevator version of your career and your path, where you're from, Dr. Nimai Parmar? Sure. So I was a sportsman. I played uh, rugby league, or uh, not, not football. I played rugby league and um, I played at 
uh, quite a high level here, professional level. And then I had a few injuries and I, I got a scholarship to study my bachelor's degree. And then I got a scholarship to study my PhD. Uh, so during that, I worked with some international teams and I ended up doing some courses in performance analysis and I really enjoyed it. And now um, I've managed to get my PhD. I've managed to get a full-time permanent position as a university lecturer. I know you call, I think you call them professors at, over your side, but I'm a full-time lecturer here. It's given me the best of both worlds. Whilst I can't play sport anymore, I get to uh, train up students to go and get those jobs. And I get to have research projects with top teams. And so not only in football, I do a lot of work with England rugby, England cricket, um, some of the Olympic teams and so on. So it's a really exciting time. Um, and I'm really excited to share some of this knowledge and some of these uh, findings with everyone at the convention. As we say goodbye, I want to have a little laugh. It's Dr. Nimai Parmar. It's spelled N-I-M-A-I. And as I was getting ready, I talked to the new CEO of United Soccer Coaches, and I told him, I can't wait to talk to Neymar. You know, obviously, you know, putting a twist on your name, <laughs> close right there. That's not a bad comparison, though, right? It's not a bad comparison. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously better looking than Neymar, so I might be a little <laughs> bit offended by that. But, you know, I, 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 good skills pay the bills is what, what I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah, good skills pay the bills. Dr. Nimai Parmar is not doing not one but two sessions at the convention in Kansas City. Check them out. I know all of you care about performance analysis. That is front of mind at every level, even at the youth game. Really look forward to meeting you live and in person. Thank you so much for being on this week's Countdown to Convention on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you very much. And I'm really excited to meet you too and meet every, all the listeners that will be there. That was our Countdown to Convention, but we're not done. We meet one more 30 under 30 member. She's already been on the podcast as a key advocate for the Latino Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group. Cynthia Cervantes is up next. That's this week's Countdown to Convention for the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention, January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Register today at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. Welcome back to this jam-packed United Soccer Coaches podcast as we're just a week away from the United Soccer Coaches Convention. As you know, my favorite part of the show is spending time with our members of the 30 under 30 class, 15 spectacular women, 15 spectacular men under the age of 30 doing great things around the love of the game and you know I love all of that and we've got a return guest that's how big time this member is Cynthia Cervantes who's done incredible things for the Latino coaches advocacy group for United Soccer Coaches that's where she's been on before but now she's on yeah you heard it as a member of the 30 under 30 class Cynthia Cervantes welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast thank you Dean it's such a pleasure to be here thank you so much appreciate it yeah, look at you, Roland, under 30, a member of this class. You're a mom, you're a leader, you're making things happen. What does it mean to you to be part of the 30 under 30 class for United Soccer Coaches? Honestly, just grateful, grateful. Um, it means it means a lot as a mom, like you said, as a mom, as a coach, 
Uh, it's been a tough year uh, studying, taking taking my master's uh, at Ohio University, and it's been it's been I mean a pleasure to be part of it. I, I remember when I got the call, uh, Remy can tell you I literally just it was crazy. I hadn't heard um, back, and I was like, it was my second time applying. I applied last year and I didn't get it, and this year I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna do it. I created the three videos, and when I when I didn't get like the answer, I was like, hmm, I'm wondering if I did or not. And all of a sudden, Remy calls me, and he's she's like, we've been trying to get a hold of you. You made it. I I I just I was I was just so static as a teacher. Um, I was just so static, and and I cried, and it, it just means a lot to to be part of this great organization and and this program, but most importantly to learn from others. You know, I I, I truly love learning, and and I'm pretty sure I can learn from my mentor and and great coaches within the organization so i'm very it's been it's a pleasure to just be be part of the 30 under 30 program i remember visiting with you as we were talking about the latino soccer coaches advocacy group and i love the fact that you wear your emotions on your sleeve i'm like that as well and i feel like we connected because of that uh with that cynthia i wouldn't mind you giving the elevator speech again just talk a little bit about you know your history in the game and where you grew up because i find it fascinating i'm from el paso texas and i grew up in a low-income community, um, and now I'm a female coach here in town. I coach also for South Texas ODP and New Mexico ODP. I did coach collegiately, and now I'm back as a director of coaching for El Paso Juventus Football Club. And what we focus is uh, making an impact in a child's life, making sure that, um, you know, they develop, they love the sport, and most importantly, girls' soccer. You know, if there's a girl that would like to play soccer, we encourage that a lot. Um, Currently, I have 10 girls, um, and it's just been amazing to be from El Paso and be part of the 30 under 30, uh, be accepted to the Ohio Masters program in soccer, and, and pursuing coaching education. I'm very grateful for that, um, you know, finishing my C license and moving forward. I'm very grateful that U.S. Soccer has allowed me to do that, that United Soccer Coaches has allowed me to, to do a platform. Um, because for, coming from El Paso, you know, it's it's been a rough path. Ten years here, it's been a rough, rough path, you know. But um, you just got to keep pushing through as Latinos and be proud of where we come from and keep pushing forward and, and learn, you know. And, and also, if we make mistakes, you know, accept those mistakes. Because I can tell you I've made mis mistakes and I, I live and learn um, and, and keep pushing forward and keep moving forward as female coaches. We've talked a lot on this program about if she can see it, she can be it. And I look at you, you know, from El Paso, Latino, a mom at a young age, you're powering through, you're making things happen. You are an inspiration to other women that look like you. What does that mean when you hear those kind of words? Grateful, grateful. Um, I'm, you know, I always look at my daughter and I always tell her, hey, you can do anything in life. You know, you can push through. I, I was very fortunate to to have a support system, and I still do. Um, lots of my mentors, which they know who they are. I couldn't be there without them. And it's just, you know, let's go get it. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it's going to be tough. Yes, there's going to be lots of crying, you know. Um, I remember I, I, I teach during the day, coach by night, and then I study in the middle of the night. I was getting two hours of sleep every night. But I knew that getting a college education uh, was what was going to be better for my family and for myself and for my daughter. And, and I look at my daughter and I said, Hey, babe, you know, you can do anything. 
you know, you can do anything in life and you got to push through, fight through and rely on others, uh, learn from others and have always a positive attitude no matter what. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to be a Latina and, and represent my community, El Paso, and all the female coaches that also are going through what I went through or have gone through what I went through or, you know, being the only female coach in a course or feeling left out or, you know, you're not the only one. You got to push through and United Soccer Coaches has allowed me to, to be that, you know. You are blazing trails, so this question will be interesting. If you've listened to my other interviews with 30 Under 30, you know I asked this crystal ball question, and I think about all that you've done in the last 10 years, and you said it's been hard, but you have persevered. You have pushed on. You have made it happen. So I'm wondering, Cynthia, if you've thought about where you want to be in 10 years, which is a question I've asked all the 30 Under 30 members. Is that too far down the road? Are you taking it day by day, or do you have a vision? I do have a vision. Uh, my vision, my biggest inspiration is Dr. Vanessa Martinez Lagunas and she coaches for the Mexican national team. And I want to be in the Mexican national team. So in 10 years from now, I will be coaching um, either the U15 or U17. Whatever opportunity I get, I would love to represent and coach the, the Mexican national team and, and improve um, female coaches around El Paso and keep pushing forward. And obviously always carry the name of United Soccer Coaches with me because it, it definitely has a special place in my heart. And Dean, I thank you for, for, for having me here. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, will we see you in Kansas City at the convention? Of course. Uh, I'm not missing it. I already booked my flight, so I'm really, really excited to, to be there, learn, um, and just gain the experience. I bow down to you. I need you to make me a promise that you'll stop by on Friday and say hello to us on Podcast Row. Will you do that for me, Cynthia? Yes, sir. I'll definitely be there. All right. Cynthia Cervantes, another outstanding member of our 30 under 30 class. She is a superstar. And we'll see you next week for a special edition of a Wednesday release of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I want to thank all of our guests. I also want to thank Bailey Conklin and Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Dusen, and our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next Wednesday for the convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.